0: It's Blazing Saddles meet Spinal Tap with none of the elements that made either of those work. We watched Guns on the Clackamas, which means it's time for another Portland at the
1: Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all.
0: Uh, well, it's Pretty, it's really cutting-edge humor, it's, it's kind of humor that people aren't used to and it, it, it uh, breaks a lot of barriers. I want to do like Pulp Fiction kind of, you know, really hard edge kind of stuff. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoff and I am joined as always by Brian the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Hey, Todd. I'm uh, doing pretty good. I'm uh, nice and dry. Nice and dry, yes. Uh, And uh, not with us, like usual, is Mark Middleton, who could not make it to this recording, but uh, we just had to talk about this movie so much.
2: We're doing it without him. I think that we can just go home now because I think you (laughs) summed it up in the opening perfectly well. There's nothing more to say. That is a nice little summary, huh? Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mark was so upset that we are not one of uh, Portland's top three local podcasts that he he stormed off the show. Not even top
2: three, top five. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cruel fate. (laughs) <laughs> but we are talking about the 1995 movie called Guns on the Clackamas, which um, has intrigued me for a while because it's it's made by uh, a man. Hey, of, before it, we
2: get into Guns on the Clackamas, I actually have some news. Some more oh. into the movie news. Uh, it, it's an update to one of our previous shows. Oh, OK. Um so uh think back to the hunted you remember this film I remember that I remember the hunted Benicio del Toro I do Tommy Lee Jones Tommy Lee Jones do you remember the gift that the movie left to the city of Portland
0: uh it was it the bus stop the bike rack uh, the bike rack that's
2: right yes it was a covered bike rack uh the most one of the more elaborate bike racks I've ever seen where uh, was it at it was on Hawthorne like um, probably 30 30 ish in Hawthorne right in front of the Ben and Jerry's okay uh, it's gone. Is it condos now? You know, when we last, when we talked about it on the show, it was, uh, it was funny cause it was just filled with like street <laughs> rats and, uh, you know, those homeless detritus of punks. all, of all types. Yeah. And, uh, it was kind of funny cause you know, this, thing that they gifted the city just right know, went that way <laughs> well i guess now the city has deemed it that it was serving no good purpose and it has just been leveled
0: wow and so there's nothing there so there's nothing that's there. like
2: super punitive so we are you like get nothing the, the city's uh ties to the legacy of the hunted are completely oh, wow completely gone. gone except knowing that it's just a short swim from the hawthorne
0: bridge <laughs> to willamette falls <laughs> 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 um but yeah speaking uh, speaking of rivers I suppose uh, Guns ah. on the Clackamas is our movie and it's made uh by Bill Plimpton who lots of you might know his name and I knew his name for I knew his name a very long time I had no idea he was uh from Portland um, I started uh, hearing his name back in the late 80s early 90s when MTV started doing things like liquid television Right, and they started introducing animation and he did something called plimp tunes. It was all edgy It was yeah And it was super weird and super cool and his art style is amazing and so we've kind of had this movie on our on our um, List for a while and I've just always been so curious because the poster itself says it's blazing saddles meets spinal tap only funnier is what the uh, <laughs> is what the uh, poster says so um
2: how would you describe this movie brian uh let's see if i i could sum it up in three words ooh uh uncomfortable (laughs) pretentious and tedious (laughs) okay good Good. Uh, Yes, I'm sure we'll uh,
0: discuss a little bit of those (laughs) a little bit further. But yes, uh, uh, so Guns on the Clackamas is kind of, uh, like it says, it's kind of a Spinal Tap. Uh, It's done as a documentary. Uh, So it's kind of one of those uh, fake documentaries kind of before Christopher Guest started making
2: his because... So, of course, Christopher Guest was in Spinal Tap, which came out before this. Yeah. But then I think the first one that Christopher Guest actually headed up was Waiting Waiting for for Guffman. Guffman.
0: And that was later in the 90s right, uh, when, when uh, that came out. And that,
2: I mean... So there weren't... I, I don't think there were a lot of types of movies or this wasn't like a subgenre really. Yeah, which was point. interesting.
0: The other interesting thing is is that this movie is just over an hour... Or so long. Are you sure about that? I'm not totally sure on that because <laughs> the copy we procured from Movie Madness kind of has a scratch at the end. Yeah. And so it just
2: hitches for a really long time. I think it might be closer to an hour and 20 minutes. Really? I think so. When, when it, the, the, the proper running length. You know we could just ask IMDb
0: how it yeah because I mean at the end I felt like it had, there was like the three scenes left and everybody gets sick for some but backing up this movie is a documentary. Uh, a fake documentary about the making of an ill-fated movie. And that's the premise. And they're following this <clears> this this movie that um, has all sorts of things go wrong uh, during the... F- now, that's my first question because there's a lot going on in this movie. There's parts of this movie that did make me laugh. There's parts that I thought were... Two. Two jokes over here that made me laugh. <laughs> Which ones made you laugh?
2: Want to go right there? Yeah. Get the good stuff out of the yeah. way? <laughs> <laughs> we can spread them out. Do one now and we'll save one for later. Okay, okay. So, when the movie opens, it opens... Um, oh, that, that's one of the things... Before we get to what I found funny, yeah, I'm going to okay. tell you what annoyed me. Okay. Um, is that the, the movie changes, like, kind of how it's being told... Um, it starts off with uh, an investigative uh, documentarian.
0: Like a British journalist
2: type. Yeah, doing the whole David Attenborough accent. Uh, We're here in the Serengeti, except it's like the planes yeah, of the Clackamas. The plains of the Clackamas. <laughs> um, and and you, you, you're like, okay, so it's going to follow this guy as he tries to document the movie. Right. But then you, we just lose that guy and almost never to
0: come back. You know when he comes back when they need... He comes back three or four times at the end, but he only nods and he's <laughs> clearly in a different room than all of the people he supposedly interviewed, oh. and that's how they hid the edits. Yeah Because yeah. clearly they needed to edit someone
2: and then they just cut away to this guy in like a conference room somewhere Shaking his head. Yeah, so that annoyed me anyways the the line that I did actually think was funny was um, One of the very first scenes he is trying to gain access to the movie set and uh, there's, like, the, the security guard on set of the movie, and he won't let the uh, – I think his name is Nigel. Nigel. They dared to name him Nigel at their yeah. spinal tap. Right. They won't let Nigel on set. And, and then Nigel's like, it's okay. I prefer not to have access. Or to, um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Should I just play that scene? <sighs> uh, it's probably not worth playing. But basically he's <laughs> saying that I, I prefer it when my subjects don't allow me full access. It makes my uh, – Less uh, uh, subjective reporting.
0: Yeah, I do remember that. There was a couple parts too, because uh, they were t- at some point talking about uh, food or something like that. And every once in a while, they would, you know, when they cut away to a talking head, they would show their the name or whatever, who they are. And one story, one of the talking heads was talking about was. About donuts or something, and then they just cut away to a donut and labeled it "donut." A close-up, and then a close-up of, a of sprinkles, sprinkles, and it said three sprinkles, and it said sprinkles. That made me laugh. <laughs> and then this this one of the characters had an obsession with those big eyes paintings. Yes. And at one point, he opens this photo album, and there's a family photo in there, and he had cut out big eyes and like put big eyes on his whole family in the family photo. That made me laugh. That's funny. I didn't catch that. <laughs> But you are right about not the way that this movie is put together. Not only do we lose kind of that intro, the intro British guy talks about the director of of
2: the movie Guns on the Clackamas, whose name I already don't the remember. The
0: fictitious. The fictitious director.
2: So, yeah, we should we should clarify. Guns on the Clackamas not only is the name of this film by Bill Plimpton, but
1: it's the name of the movie within, within the, the m- movie. movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Film director, something or other, uh, other British guy
0: who oh, eats the
2: sausages. The, wait, the sausage guy was. Houghton? Uh, Holt, Houghton. H- Houghton P. Something or other. <laughs>
0: and he was, good grief. But he was like, what you see the opening credits of the movie Guns on the Clackamas, and it's like produced by, directed by, edited by, written by, starring Houghton P. Something or other. And then it says directed by James X. That did make me laugh too. They did like 50 different something by Houghton P.
2: Whatever. Yeah. And so it, and James X was like the guy that he hired to. Right. And so it.
0: right off the bat, we're being introduced to the director of the fictitious film that ostensibly this movie is profiling. And then we sort of lose him because, and we're told uh, this movie is not telling us its story. It's. People telling us about a story like as if we knew like we don't we don't are introduced to none of the characters. We don't know whether this movie was finished already and a success. A failure it, it it both is in retrospect and unfolding at the same time which is weird
2: yes Um it none of it makes sense
0: yeah and not and and the closest thing we can kind of compare this to are the are the uh, a spinal tap in something like waiting for Guffman where you get to know the character. you're rooting for the characters because they have hearts and they're trying to do this thing even though it's silly you you appreciate them for what but we don't really get to know anyone because and on the, second t- on the second passing of this movie, I realized that I don't think the camera moves one time. Oh. Every single shot is a medium close-up of someone sitting at a desk or sitting somewhere being interviewed. We're shown clips of the movie that don't look any different than the documentary footage. And all of that is just a locked-down camera with everybody in flat-framing and that and each little section like that is about 30 seconds long nothing is longer than that we're not in a story longer than that it's just these 30 second blocks of the same camera angle with no movement and
2: it was driving me crazy i think the only time the camera moves is actually in the very beginning when they're trying to get on set to the movie oh when they're walking down the clackamas river right other than that i think you're right it Yeah, yeah, so
0: it it was really hard to tell a story because not a lot of energy in this movie and a lot and that confused me too because at this it does look and feel sort of like a college class project. Oh, sure where he got and I'm sure it was and, and I was like, oh, he must have got all his friends because the acting is not great. And
2: they're well, if you looked at the pages of any of the actors, you see that 90% of the actors, this is the only movie the they've literally ever been in. The only
0: thing that they've done. Even yeah. the lady that shows up on AM Northwest, which we'll probably I'll play a clip of later. Did you watch that? I she, did. I did like her performance, though. She played like some Brooklyn no, secretary she did okay. Or she, she did was okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was very excited to be in the movie. She though. was. Yeah, she had the ultimate 90s haircut. That was the mom's haircut on My So-Called Life. She, <laughs> the mom had that like short little blonde haircut. Um, there were nine talent agencies mm. listed at the end of this movie. Wow. So like, that's when I was like, wait a minute, this isn't like family and friends. Like, okay.
2: You know, I think something happened. I think what happened here is that you could tell that somebody thought this movie was funny. Somebody thought that the jokes were awesome The concept was great and they're like this is gonna be amazing we're gonna make it and uh, I think Bill Plimpton probably at this point in his career thought that maybe he could have a career not only in animation and he was probably leveraging every single connection he had from his success in animation to, to get this made.
0: It was filmed a little bit in New York as well. It's listed in the credits. Right. Um, which I'm guessing there's one scene that's like a little outdoor bistro type setup where they have I, that I, weird yeah. I didn't fight rec- in the background. I didn't recognize that. Straight out of, of yeah, straight out of Airplane. Um, but yeah. Um, and we don't get a lot of actual locations either. We get the historic uh, church is in one shot. We don't really know where on the Clackamas River they're shooting. There are a couple uh, shots of
2: the river there. It feels very, you know, Clackamas-like. Yeah, you know, yeah. It feels like it's somewhere like Hood River where you're, there's Mount They H- do have Mount Hood in the background of the their title. I was wondering, one of those shots where Mount Hood shows up, I think it might have been like uh, just superimposed. Superimposed on there.
0: So before this, um, like we said, Bill Plumpton, uh, Oscar winner for his cartoon shorts. Had you ever seen any of his cartoons? Um, I ended up I was kind of looking on YouTube just before we started here. And I I recognized like a bunch of them because, like I said, I saw him on MTV and I saw um, wherever, you know, whatever other cable station in the 80s was showing stuff like that. And um, but there's a clip of him on a.m. Northwest. That I want to pull up here because it's the t- one where he's promoting this movie. He's uh, th- He's promoting this movie. Yes, um, but he the host talks about uh, how he got into uh, directing this live-action film oh,
1: yeah. oh <laughs> a days. Well, it all started when uh, young Bill Plimpton saw 101 Dalmatians Decided he wanted to work
2: for Disney someday I after they offered him a million dollars and wanted to own him as he says that he'd make
1: films instead he is here to talk all about a film that will be shown tomorrow night called Guns on the Clock. Ms. Here's Bill Thank you. Go. Thank you. <laughs> you loved animation so much. Mm-hmm. You did your own works, your own short animated films. Right. In fact, one of them is this. It's Plimptoons, mm-hmm. which is a, a collection of your of your animated yeah. Films. All
0: my Oscar nominated films, my award winning films, and this is how I finance all my films now is the sale of But
1: what happened was Disney saw this and said, "Hey, we got to get that guy did in the did payroll." you just cut him well, off. You I down think a this is poorly understood. Not Disney, not on which was your dream.
0: Yeah, I heard that what they wanted me for was the the Genie in Aladdin because it was real wacky and crazy and they saw my films and they said, "We want someone wacky and crazy." And So that's kind of the backstory in there that that's from uh, the special features on the disc. So that's why it's so oddly edited uh, by that lady. But so he turned down apparently
2: animating Aladdin. Right. For a million dollars. It is funny now, looking back, I can kind of see, you know, the way that the genie moves uh, does seem to be inspired by a lot of... Uh, yeah, and his... a lot of that
0: surrealistic stuff of, uh-huh. like, juggling your head and things yeah. twisting around and very, very genie-like things. So that would have been super interesting <clears> to <throat> see. Um, Gus Van Zant is in this movie. Gus Van... <laughs> was Who... that our previous
2: uh, episode that uh, the... I can't remember It was two episodes name. ago. Two episodes. Uh, th- he can't
0: run any he won't further get far than on now. Foot. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Gus Van Sant sort of looked like he had a gun held to him in the park blocks for five seconds as he
2: talked about the
0: fake movie within
2: this movie. I did think that uh, rewatching this movie today, what Gus Van Sant actually says, I thought was funny Um, because at the beginning of the movie, they're setting up, they're looking back at how um, our fiction. Uh, producer of the movie, uh, Houghton P. P. Jeffers. Jeffers. Yeah. Um, he got his start making all these cowboy movies. And his first film, when he was like eight years old, was Cowboy Frogs. And then he made Cowboy Vampires. And then Gus Van Sant is like, you know, I was inspired by him too. My movie's uh, Drugstore Cowboy and Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. And I thought that was. <laughs> a, I didn't catch that. Right. That's I, funny. I thought it was a clever way. <laughs> well, that's
0: another interesting thing too is that we're introduced to this per, uh, producer, Jeffers. And we're told by this movie that he is a Hollywood legend who has made all of these movies that influence Big P. They have some talking heads about how great he is. But then as the movie's unfolding, people are saying, like, oh, we were using both sides of the film stock.
2: Right. If he's as big as he is, why? Like, you don't.
0: Like, what is the reality
2: of this movie like yeah why are they having such a trouble financing this film if he's such an accomplished well that and
0: like everything about the production of it like at one point he's like oh i decided to make it an all yodeling musical western oh what like uh, well that reality
2: (laughs) that was at the request of the financier the bratwurst guy I thought he was Jeffers. No, he's not Jeffers. He was the financier. Jeffers, the whole... Pr- you you missed out, Todd. <laughs> Jeffers, the whole the, joke in the movie the is you meaning. don't ever really see Jeffers. And I was going to comment on how when you're setting up this character with such a big ego who's such a driving force behind this film, but then the joke is you never see him. That doesn't really work. Are you serious? Yeah. Because he's always either so the
0: guy eating the sausage with a British accent. Yes, that, he was a finance. He, he was, was the, just he was the money behind the, the money film, behind the film, not
2: Jeffers. And, and he's the reason why. Um, wow. He required that they use that actress who had the stutter, and they couldn't replace her because it was the pick of the financier. <sighs> so, well, uh, and you've watched this movie. Twice. I watched this movie twice
0: uh part of his clip on um on uh, the dvd special features was him kind of explaining the movie to someone and he said it's a movie um documenting the making of an ill-fated movie where the entire cast dies and nobody notices and they show some clips that i thought were funny of like people trying to hide the faces of the main actors Mm -hmm. was that ever in the movie it was
2: todd What is going on? It just wasn't in the movie that we saw because we didn't see the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not convinced. I, because,
2: okay. So So as this. We are reviewing three quarters of this movie. Let's be honest.
0: (laughs) Maybe the, the last quarter was really, really good. But the last I saw was that they all ate macaroni salad that went bad and like everyone died. Yes. That's what, that's how it ends. Right. Yeah. So, like, we didn't miss the part where they're trying to... Like, I felt like that was a deleted scene. But I didn't even think that's what the movie was about. The movie's not
2: about anything.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, let's play a little clip from this movie about nothing. Uh, It's a little longer, but it'll give you kind of the pacing of everything and kind of the style. This is actually part of the movie I thought worked the best. Um, so this is an example of kind of the best of how it works. It starts off with one of the behind the scenes um, people talking about how they ran out of money and now they have to hire um, a bunch of different writers to finish it. And they they don't really care who they're hiring because they don't have the money. So it starts with the with the money guy. It talks to three different producers. Now, this is the another time in this movie where. Four people tell the same joke like when I talked about that So first we had the bratwurst guy saying so I had this idea for a yodeling Western musical We cut to a second guy saying I got a call at 3 a.m. Suddenly. We're doing a Yodeling Western musical cut to a third person. I got a call at 3 a.m. They told me we're doing a Yodeling Western they did that four times and so they kind of do this again, and then they, they they paid off so
1: I, uh, wrote tons of material for them, but okay, I Okay, so here
0: they make the same joke three I times. I only
1: used part of it for the death scene. I wrote tons of great material for them, but I heard they only used the part for the death scene. Yep. Wrote some terrific material for them, but they only used a little bit of it in the death scene. Oh, by the way, if you see Jeffers, tell him I'm still waiting for the check. Huh? check. <laughs> and here's
0: the death scene from the movie.
1: It's a poison arrow.
2: We'll have to get the end dope in a hurry. Hold on, darling.
1: Sunny, the lights are getting dim. I have to tell you something before I die. <laughs> I've never told anybody this before. Yes, darling? Tootsie and tootsie, meow all day long. Mother cat purrs and sings a sweet song. Even now, I I can feel your hot, steaming love axle (laughs) work its way into my quivering chamber of delight. Come closer. A a A guy walks into a bar with a duck on his head. And the bartender says, what'll you have? And the guy says, I'll I'll have a whiskey. And the bartender says, what'll the duck have? And the guy says, that's, that's no duck. That's, that's my,
0: And she dies. Did you see at the very end of the credits? Yes. That was pretty good. Cool. So at the very end of the credits, uh, it says, for punchline to the duck joke, send $2 to, and then they list their address, which I thought was
2: pretty funny. And then I saw another interview with uh, Bill Plimpton later where he said he made $4 off of that.
0: <laughs> wow, really? I wonder what's at that address. We should send $2 there and see if we
2: get <laughs> the end of that joke. But the that that was actually a special feature on the DVD. Did you see that one? Which, what? uh, So, on the DVD, there's like... Oh, um, I don't think you sent me that part. Oh, one of the special features is a slideshow of like 15 slides where it's like 15 possible uh, duck joke endings. Oh, wow.
0: That's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. I forgive them then. (laughs) Forgive them for everything? Well, let's not be hasty. (laughs) (laughs) And... Even So there, there, are, there are bits of humor here that I think because of execution and because of, of the acting and, and the fact that the, the camera and the editing and all that. But then there's parts like one of, the, one of the quote unquote funny things that happens to this movie is that the main actress that we just heard doesn't want to kiss the main actor that we just heard because the actor had really bad breath. And they draw out the scene for, like, five minutes of the worst acting I've ever seen of her, like, going in for a kiss. And then, oh, pew. And And it goes on forever. And I just feel like like these people are funny enough to know he won an Oscar. He should know to... Stop the joke, or d- it,
2: there's it's a baffling. Of, there's a lot of jokes in this movie that just go on way too long. Yeah. To the point where you're right, they should know better. And so it feels like a conscious choice <laughs> that they want the joke to run past the point where it stopped being funny and in then kind to of be a, like an artistic again.
0: way. Yeah. Like the family guy, I, <sighs> the family guy thing <laughs> that always works every time. At one point, there were two kind of hayseed farmers. Sitting in their driveway Who were they? I don't remember that part They were sitting like on a cooler In their driveway surrounded by cats And they were there for like one scene Talking about something and then we never saw them again And I blocked that completely <laughs> That was the part That was the, the version you missed <laughs> Meanwhile I missed <laughs> the one where the guy doesn't show up at all
2: <laughs> uh... Can we talk about how the humor In this uh, movie has not really aged well Sure Sure <laughs> Where do you want to start?
0: <laughs> it wasn't as bad as it could be when your when your movie kind of opens up with a Native American doing a a sacred prayer for
2: the the blessing of the, the blessing film. of
0: the film. I thought could have been worse it, since well, this
2: was the early '90s. It still could have been worse, but it, you know something like Blazing Saddles holds up, and even though it's offensive. There's like you understand that it's satire and, right. and you know that like Mel Brooks isn't actually a racist right but I, I'm sure Bill Plimpton's not a racist that's not what I'm saying but this just, just in Una Piper calls Portland legend racist <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get that same like understanding that they're in on the joke right right and it makes it uncomfortable And there's several scenes like that um like when they start, uh, they, they wanted to hire, I think they, they wanted it first in all uh, Native American cast and they start listing all the different people that should be in this movie and they're like, well then then we, we need Native Americans and then they they just keep pushing it and they're like women Americans and feminist Americans and female Americans. Right.
0: <laughs> and that like handled by someone who knows comedy could have been yes. very, very funny. Yes. I mean, I pulled up a clip um, Because one of the people, one of the people in this movie reminds me, uh, he's, I think, the, um, he's like the electrician or something on the movie. And they kind of cut back and forth to him. Here he's a little.
2: So he bought tin ones. It snapped. And you can see what happens. Oh, the safety guy?
0: The safety guy.
2: (sighs) People were beginning to
1: doubt my professionalism. So he
0: was dressed almost exactly like um, uh, Eugene Levy in, um, speaking of, in Waiting for Guffman.
2: You know, school, people ask me, were you, uh, you know, were you, were, you must have been the class clown. And I say, uh, no, I wasn't. But I sat beside the class clown and I, I studied him. And... <laughs>
0: Which makes me laugh every time. So there were a lot of parts where I did, I, I kind of understood where they were going. Yes, I understood. But then there were such fumbles that then it made me wonder if I was giving it too much credit.
2: Yeah, I, I felt the exact same way. Where I could totally tell that that the the joke in their head it was funny, and then the execution just stumbled. Yeah. Oh boy, I, 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 I don't it just boggled my mind the scene with the, the stuttering actress. And then they had the speech coach come out and they were essentially just like slapping this poor woman and humping her and
0: like moving her face around. Right. And like, again, the, the joke was that the main actress that apparently sausage producer wanted to uh, have as the, she stutters and she can't say anything. And, but it's that also goes on forever of this poor actress that can't really act trying to stutter. And the whole
2: point of the joke is just making fun of somebody <laughs> that has that a stutter. stutter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, was, I was trying to avoid the obviously problematic portion of that. Well, that's what I'm trying to call out stutter. here. <laughs> I'm trying to walk us back for no reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so do you think... Uh, did you find out what the end of this movie was? Did we miss anything? Did you...
2: I did see one article that talked about the end of this movie. Okay. And uh, I will read you what it says. After Carl's safety first Huggins is fired, food poisoning kills the entire cast, and the film wraps up with lifeless bodies posed and production assistants beating off flies. Sounds like a (laughs) hoot, right? (laughs) That
0: actually does sound kind of funny. (laughs) Like, on paper, that could be funny. Um, But it it is surprising that... Although I guess if you think of an animator, how they work, they're used to quote unquote having the camera like always in one place and having things move around within that frame because you're drawing on a piece of paper. Maybe he just was not used to it. Was like <laughs> just know like the the Lumiere brothers not knowing how to move a camera because they just lock it down and everything takes place in front of it.
2: Yeah. You know, part of it could be that this was also kind of like a documentary, and you're kind of trapped into the the interview,
0: and that's what I mean. N- not to keep going back to to waiting for Guffman and Christopher Guest movies, but you realized how adept at making a film like that he is, because like we mentioned before, this is just all locked down camera medium close up shots of someone talking about something and not telling the story. And then you you watch something like Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman or even Spinal Tap and it's like that's telling you the story that you're invested with. And this was this was so just disjointed yeah. and 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 the, you were
2: you were not invested in
0: anything right right so which was a disappointment because i was really looking forward to finding like a really cool little uh, hidden gem that we had out there especially from someone like as good and like i would i would call him a genius in animation and and the things that he did i like his stuff is so cool to me and like so good
2: yeah the um looking into it today the the one um area where I was most like before this I didn't uh consciously wasn't aware of any of Bill Plimpton's work but uh he did the Weird Al Yankovic music video to don't download this song oh really yeah oh
0: that's great he just did a um a couch gag for the Simpsons Uh um where Homer what he did um one of his uh, earlier shorts was called "The Face" the, yeah. and like, and so that was with Homer and Homer's face twisting and that stuff was like really that. Well done. But the one I I super remember from being a kid is called "The Kiss" and it's like two heads kissing and they're I always watched. smashing and and doing all crazy weird things. And seeing that like as a twelve year old, like I was like, oh my gosh, this is like all you know of animation is like. Scooby-Doo and uh-huh. the Flintstones and that comes you're like what in the world is this craziness <laughs> and it was so good So i I'd super
2: recommend uh, Going to check out Bill Plimpton's work and that was the best thing to come from uh, watching this movie is just learning more about his other work. Yeah, and his
0: uh, his uh, some of the videos on on are on YouTube and like this one has almost a half a million viewers but like his own personal <laughs> Plimptoon's page only has 8,034 subscribers Aww. so go go subscribe to that um, and and find all his other shorts and stuff like that because he is he's amazing and he you know what his illustrations look like do you remember the um, it was in the 80s Genesis did the land of confusion video with those weird looking um, puppets. Do you remember that at all? No. There was a Ronald Reagan, it was like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and um, someone else and it was like this weird, really cool, but kind of scary puppet that looks almost exactly like Bill Plumpton's cartoons and it was like the Land of Confusion video, but then it was like a couple other things, it was like this huge deal in the 80s. Um, So go check that out too, because that's that's really interesting. Um, Well any last thoughts on Guns on the Clackamas? The first three quarters of which are available at movie
2: madness and then the (laughs) video has a big someone should really tell them we should maybe we should buy them a replacement copy I thought about telling them when I dropped it back off but I (laughs) was in a hurry (laughs) well what's funny is when I when I rented the movie like you got it for movie madness too right yeah And so I must have rented it after you. And then when when I uh, went, uh, they grabbed the disc, and then they were going to hand it to me. And then they inspected the disc, and they said, "Do you have a minute to wait while we clean it?" (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, sure." (laughs) And so I watched them put it in their little buffer machine. And when I inspected it, it it looked clear. Yeah, but there's definitely that same spot. Yep, it just wow, what a shame. Well.
0: Um, I would imagine Movie Madness has other Bill Plumpton stuff that you can check out. It's worth, I don't know, if you're super into very niche films <laughs> like this podcast <laughs> tells you about it. it Even I then, know. I
2: don't know. It's tough.
0: It's tough. Well, maybe you know about enough about it now to at least get through a conversation dropping it. That Did you know Bill Plumpton made a movie?
2: There was one other Portland connection Seeing that there's not a lot of uh, scenery going on. I thought I would shout out. Um, the security guard on the set of the film is wearing a a really old Bridgeport Brewing t-shirt oh wow Um, really they were
0: thanked Bridgeport was thanked in the credits too um, oh that's cool
2: and Helen's costumes (gasps) I did see that yeah yeah that's really cool I would love to know what costume they got from I,
0: it probably was the one bit I didn't mind that was kind of running through is when they were um, auditioning for new actresses for a role so they just had I don't know like 30 different like at insane because yeah. they play over the credits and there's even that's more. true maybe that's why there were nine talent agencies involved but all these like funny bad auditions for the for the main lead role and um, that was pretty funny because at least every three
2: seconds you were having a, a different thing to look at That felt like a gag that would have worked in animation, and he just, you know, turned it into real life.
0: Different skill sets, I guess. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, well, Mark was going to pick the next movie, so we'll have to figure out from him what he wants to pick. But in the meantime, Brian. Where can people find out more about the Unipiper? What's going on with the Unipiper right now? So much. What
2: is going on? Um, If folks uh, would like to join uh, the Unipiper in this year's Starlight Parade. Yes. uh, They can do that. You can Uh, dress
0: up as your favorite guns on the
2: Clackamas character. (laughs) As long as your costume lights up. Yes. Uh but uh check me out on social media and you can find links to uh sign up and march with uh, the Unipiper Piper and uh also while you're at it um you should vote for the Unipiper Piper and Weird Portland United uh both of which are nominated in this year's Best of Portland. What's it like to be nominated? <laughs> you can't remember I back used to a know. year ago. <laughs>
0: I told you about that thing at Christmas where like my family was like, we're all about, you know, going to say goodbye or whatever. And we were all going around doing like the, what we're all thankful for. And my, my youngest niece is graduating from eighth grade. My, uh, one of my nieces is graduating from high school. One of my nieces is getting married It's my mom and dad's 50. And so we're all going around and it gets to me and I said, i have portland's second favorite podcast <laughs> and now i don't that'll Not be an anymore. update for christmas i no longer have that
2: you better find something else to be thankful for this year. i don't do my garbage you've
0: my got a garbage com- youtube show anymore <laughs> my
2: <laughs> you've got a couple of months to come up with something todd we'll help you i marched in the starlight parade <laughs>
0: i was on the tv um
2: yeah, so check out UniPiper
0: stuff. Thank you to the people who support us on Patreon. It means a lot, and it helps us do this show each and every month, uh, tracking down things like Guns on the Clackamas. Um, special thanks also to Fun Employment Radio, where you can hear Greg and Sarah every day for free, or you can become a supporters club menu. Menu. Uh, member and join them in live chats and other special things so check them out too um, I'm on the Mark and Todd cast with Mark who is not here so you can also look at that um, other than that I guess we'll play whatever was in the end credits
2: of this movie should just play that, that one main theme I had it stuck in my head forever oh okay that's a good idea
0: if it's your video just go to the very end
2: it plays over the end credits uh, right. the, the DVD menu That goes on for like five hours <laughs> That's why my upload was two
0: hours long I'm like this movie's only an hour and Then there's an hour of the DVD credits scene This is not it though Oh wait, isn't it isn't No Yeah that song Alright we'll see you guys next time Thank you for listening That is a pretty good song